Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. episode of To Boldly Watch. I'm one of your hosts, Becca Scott. I'm another host, Xander Genre. And I am yet another host, Jake Michaels. And today we're talking about, you guessed it, Star Trek, the next generation. Ooh, this is a nice change. Okay, let's talk Star Trek this time. All Mm. right, well, this is in fact a show about talking about Star Trek. We are a Star Trek Rewatch podcast, and we're doing the next generation today. We're on episode 405. Remember me. This show is brought to you by Good Time Society. We're a production studio creating nerdy content about games and tabletop RPGs and stuff like this. Star Trek. This show. <laughs> is also brought to you by you through <gasps> Patreon. Wow, good job. Yeah, Patreon is such a great way to support the show and all the other good time content you enjoy. Um, patrons are gonna get benefits like early access to this podcast. If you like our RPG shows, you're gonna get exclusive talk back, AKA love fest content, which Ooh. is now what we call it for the Calyx because it's like just that. a love fest. Yeah. Uh-huh. And if you can't commit to being a patron, you can help us out by following us on social media and you can like and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts because it makes us look good. Also, <laughs> find us on Discord. And without further ado, on with our show. Oh, remember me. This is one of the episodes I most remember from my childhood, as a matter of fact. Xander, you too? Yeah, it's most like a Twilight Zone episode yeah. because not only is it like terrifying, but also Gates McFadden crushes it. Yeah. And her work is so good in this whole episode. Also, <sighs> like, they they don't reveal things very like right away like yeah. you, you are also in the mystery and you know things are wrong but you're not sure why they're wrong just as she doesn't and I love that I love being scared and I also immediately thought Twilight Zone this is a mm. Twilight Zone episode mm-hmm. there I'm being gaslit because yep. my, everyone's pranking me and it's my birthday or there is something horribly wrong and I'm the only one that even knows about it right mm-hmm. katie asked me when she saw some of the uh scenes that i was watching this morning she's like are they all gaslighting her i was like uh actually reality is gaslighting her a little yeah, bit yeah <laughs> like, the it's, universe it's bananas <laughs> uh the revelations that the computer presents in this is some mm. of the best computer work i think i've ever seen written in this too yes i mean i'm sure that we'll get into it bit by bit but first off i wanted to call out right away that we broke format in getting a chief medical officer's log uh from beverly so we already know that like okay something is different right here is this the first one we've done with her it might be there oh. might have been like one or two previously where it starts in the med bay or something like sure. that but this one like obviously stands out. Yeah. It's like, okay, she's the character for this one. It's pretty wild. She sometimes has the B plot, but she's right. never gotten an A plot before. Yes. Exactly. So props to Gates McFadden, Bev Crush for holding it down, 
given us a super stellar episode. She's never really gotten her own reality before either, which I think That's like true. this is a good point of you, Xander, to point out that she starts the episode with her monologue. So we're in her perspective and we actually yes. we're in her perspective for the whole thing that we don't know it. And that's the interesting thing, because we've seen this type of story before. A crew member goes missing. We got to figure out what happened. But we've never really we haven't seen it from the missing crew member's perspective as if nothing has gone wrong. Yeah. Well, help me out, because I haven't seen this show in 20 years. I just watched this <laughs> okay. podcast. Oh, so wow. please wow. tell me how it starts. Wesley did another uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it starts off at Starbase 133, I believe, mm-hmm. where uh, the Enterprise is docking for to pick up some folks, I believe, on their way to another mission. And a couple of things are happening where uh, Beverly Crusher goes to the transporter room where Chief O'Brien uh, is stationed and picks up uh, Dr. Dalen Quace, who uh, is played by Bill Irwin. I think many of you recognize this guy from the 90s. He's a guest uh, in a lot of different shows and sitcoms. Big part in this episode. Really <laughs> good. Important guest role. Yeah. When you meet someone off the teleporter first thing, you think, oh, wow, we're going to get some great guest star moves. <laughs> Not if you disappear. Also, just to say that this was approved weeks ago, Captain Picard personally approved this guest and knew full well what was happening. <laughs> yes. Everything is normal. But additionally, down in uh, engineering, however, uh, Wesley's working up some, uh, he's cooking up some warp fields, I guess. Warp bubbles, right? He's not listening to Jordy is what's happening. Jordy is pissed. Yeah. I've never heard Jordy use that tone before. I have, but he was under the influence of a magic spell. Or whatever it is. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> you know, an anger spell. Right. No one can be upset on the Enterprise. It's always due to some alien influence. <laughs> That's absolutely correct. No, he wants his warp engines back now, even though they're like still Still in space dock, but whatever. Uh, I guess they're they're planning to head out soon to their next mission. And so Wesley is fiddling with it when Beverly walks in to say something to him. And he's like, just a second. And he alters something and there's a flash off screen. Like we see it. We don't see the flash, but we see the light from the flash on the screen. I do want to mention just becomes it because it come becomes important later in that uh, we follow Beverly in this talk with the the uh, Doctor Quace and he says something from about old age and everybody disappearing. So she mentions Jack, which we know is part of her backstory, which triggers her to go, "Oh, I should go talk to Wesley." Like that was the thinking, I guess, behind that. Thank you for reminding me that because he also mentions about how he, I think he lost his wife recently and how to hold yeah. on to the people you have and remember them while you still have them. What do you mean you think? You forgot about Patricia? <laughs> oh, Patricia. Quace. I couldn't remember if it was his wife or whatever. I didn't remember <laughs> the relationship with the woman they were talking about. It wasn't specifically identified, but yeah. Maybe uh, that's why I wasn't Memory sure. Alpha makes assumptions as well. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. His life partner, one yes. can assume. Sure. Which you're right. It's setting the seed for this theme that we're going to see, right? So our yep. perspective still stays with Wesley and Jordy as they try to figure out what that was. They're not sure, but they're going to head out. And mysteriously, Crusher's not there anymore, and he just assumes that she she left. And right. indeed, we actually the next scene is her walking See down her. the corridor of the Enterprise. The cinematography, <laughs> it's so good. Was that a piece of storytelling we may have missed? Were we not paying close attention? Ooh. I just like that, uh, like like Xander said at the beginning, we don't know what that something's wrong. Like we, it's just it was just a scene change. We know something was a little eerie about what happened, and obviously mm-hmm. we're not a dumb audience. We we know that they're they're le- this plot point is leading to something but we just don't know what we just thought maybe she left right 
This is some of my favorite sort type of storytelling in the medium where it rewards you for like going back and watching again. And there are so many like hidden details that you can follow that it becomes a different experience. Your second watch through like, sort of knowing what's going to happen. I love that. Yeah. Ugh, because Bev's got to pick up the clues. You know, we can't get ahead of the storytellers mm. or else we lose our interest. Yeah. Right. Yeah, well, it's one of the best examples of the show so far of us learning at the same time as the characters. Like, Star Trek kind of rides the line of that sometimes, of telling us uh, as the audience before the characters. And this is a great example of us learning it really as she does in a scary way. Yeah. Um, so, like, how does this even develop, right? So there, uh, the first thing that happens is she tries to go uh, catch up with Dr. Quace, and he's not in his quarters. His stuff isn't there. And the computer says he's not even on the Enterprise? Right. I I made a note of this. A mystery right away. And then this was just the cold opening. <laughs> like, and then the credits started. Yeah. She, Whoa. she unblinkingly is like, well, you wouldn't pick him up if he was dead, right? Scour yeah. for his dead body somewhere on the ship, Worf, if like you don't mind. Doctor. She is a doctor, and he's an old, <laughs> frail man, as she describes him. <laughs> He didn't seem that frail. He's still wearing a uniform. like Mentor yeah. or not, wow. She could have been a little more sensitive about that. That's true. For Worf's sake. Yeah, yeah for sensitive old Worf. Yeah. Worf is you know, way more sensitive. The one who never smiles. <laughs> Big guy. Klingon! Whoa, 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 Beverly. Can we identify him by his personality traits? Thank you. She tried. She they tried. still give her that look. Uh, so, yeah, Worf checks in. He's like, oh, I should be notified if anybody's coming on board. And he's not on the passenger manifest. And he, she's like, well, I'm sorry. I thought you should know that. Right? I filed the TPS report. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll search around in case he fell down somewhere and broke his communicator. Because, you know, we do have a lot of Jeffrey's tubes in around here. He could have fallen in. This is the beginning of a point that I make. It was it was so heartwarming to see the crew essentially believe Dr. Crusher from the get-go. Like there was of course later on the doubting which becomes part of the plot, but right away, you know, the crew takes each other, especially senior officers at their word. And it was just something nice about that of like people encounter weird things all the time and now they're at this rhythm of like, okay, let's check this out. I thought it was totally weird that they didn't um, suspect her of having met mental issues as mm. the first go-to. Like, how many times has this happened? I mean, I guess Picard is ready for anything, but wouldn't... I don't know. I feel like um, the only reason we didn't see... Oh, I figured it out. <laughs> it's oh. because it's Beverly's imagination. So right. everyone is... So it's not like they would have a sidebar <laughs> without her. She has to right. be in every scene. She is the character, or the camera, rather. We, we, yeah, we never leave her uh, mm -hmm. in in that reality. We stay with her, and so we don't see the other sh parts of the, we don't see the other perspectives of the other characters at that time. Yeah, which is interesting because it's breaking format in another way. There is sort of a B plot, but we don't get to see it. The B plot is Beverly's gone missing, and we got to <laughs> figure it out. We get like sort of filled in after the fact. <clears throat> I love That's that. Right. We don't yeah. need a B plot in that way either. Like, it, it, there really isn't much of a B plot. The, the the it's just the other side of what's happening with the A, right? Because we don't even really go into their details until way into the end of it. They search for Doctor Quace. She's like really confused as to why no one can figure it out. Data looks up all the Starfleet records. This doctor doesn't exist, <gasps> nor any iterations of its spelling. Like, there's <laughs> yeah. no permutational <laughs> way. 
Bum, bum, bum. We also later learn that the uh, this universe that she's in is also limited. So it makes sense going back and watching it. It's like, oh, that's why he had that result. Well, in my dream logic, you can definitely call Mars. They're all in the yellow pages. So <laughs> call Mars. Yeah. This is all. Reference. If it's her choice, she really should have, you know, gone lucid with it, flipped a light switch. <laughs> well, that's just the holodeck. <laughs> we could do that safely on oh, the comfort of the ship. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. There you go. <laughs> Who needs lucid dreaming anymore when oh, you have a holodeck? Well, now you're getting into philosophy. For those like who had first watched this episode, I'd be curious what you thought, Becca. You know something's wrong, right? But the real moment when you feel like we're starting to lose our mind is when Chief O'Brien doesn't remember him, right? Because that was such a specific scene they set up and they acknowledged their existence. And then Chief O'Brien's like, you came in here, you looked around for a second, and I said, can I help you? And you said, thank you. Yeah, notably... They went to Picard in between that, I think, because Picard accompanies them, right? No. No, no. Oh, he okay. was O'Brien was the only one to really see this guy. And you so came oh, in I here, mean... we played tiddlywinks, I won three <laughs> rounds, you won the fourth, and then you said thank you and left. You don't I mean, remember this? To go and interrogate him. Because, uh, yeah, when, when the, when yeah, the yes. friend beamed aboard, it was just O'Brien, Beverly, and Dr. Quace. But to go interrogate O'Brien in this other reality, Picard comes with... So that he, we see him sort of taking in O'Brien's word versus Crusher's word as to what's happening. Yeah, it was either yeah, it was either O'Brien or Riker was with him. Yeah, you're right, or with them. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, um, but O'Brien doesn't remember. And now, now when her and Riker, it was Riker because they're heading back up on the turbo lift, and she's like, maybe we need to scan him. And he's like, yeah, in case <gasps> That's right. this has affected right. him. And like you still, as the audience are like, wait, okay, so maybe it's. Maybe this guy did disappear and there's like an alien conspiracy going on. Like, what is mm-hmm. happening? I think it is uh, very nice that in Beverly's imagination, Riker believed both sides were true. Right. Wow. N- what? Just be Sweden about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's and that's how it probably would be in, in the real reality, too, mm-hmm. because that's the, the trust that they've built up. So like her imagination. Th- the thing is, is her reality is based on truth, but it's just shrinking. So <laughs> right. parts of it are disappearing. I think that if the real Riker had been there, he would have sus- picked one of them and suspected the other one of having something wrong with them. Because yeah. it does take a stretch of the imagination to believe in two simultaneous realities at once, no matter what kind of crazy shit you've seen on this ship. So he'd have to seduce them both to figure out yeah. who was. That's what I'm waiting for. It's We're like missing it's a different show Riker. or something. Yeah. In yeah. the Becca reality, that <laughs> yeah. truth is in that work yeah. mm-hmm. And I would say O'Brien's probably more seducible. You know, Bev is pretty, um, she's guarded. So I think he would go with O'Brien. In the yeah. many hundreds of simulations that you've run, you found O'Brien to be more I have, yeah. Seducible. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Makes oh, sense. man, he's just barely out of frame. <laughs> well, you, Brian. we check him out in uh, sick bay, and while we're diagnosing him, uh, she calls out for two other doctors who aren't yep. in the uh, lab. She mentions uh, Dr. Salar was one. Isn't that that Vulcan from season one or two? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I couldn't remember. I recognize that name. Uh, and they're not on board. And they're not only not on board... There's no record of them. And that's when Beverly starts getting looks from people. <laughs> <laughs> of like, did she just make up some people? What a subtle start to this mystery, though, is like, it's just one person. Then it's just a hundred people. 
It's like I made a note that I love the pacing of yes. this. Mm-hmm. The, the, it was very well done and and gradually teased out. It was, and I liked that. But we later learn that the physical universe in her made-up reality is compressing. Mm-hmm. Um, so if those people were all originally on the ship, was it like when their home planet disappeared, <gasps> they disappeared? Or what's the criteria? Because Whoa. the ship doesn't start disappearing till the end of the episode. So I'm going I'm to call a little bit of plot hole on that one. I didn't even think about that. Here's my theory on it. Uh-huh. I think that not only is the universe shrinking physically, but it's also based on her proximity and her memory to these people. Because the universe is kind of manifested by her, right? Whoa. Sure. So okay. that's why Picard's last. It's who she's yes. closest to. And Wesley was one of the last ones, too. But she's known Picard longer. And yeah. so all of the main bridge crew, too, are all there. Like, like Troy's there for a long time. So is Jordy. Um, but, you know, we lose ancillary people as we go. But counterpoint, why is the doctor the uh, first one to go? Yeah. She's known him for the longest. But I see you what got, you're you saying. Maybe, yeah. maybe like just emotionally, because she said it was drawn out from that particular moment. So in that moment, she may have been feeling more concerned for the others. They disappear in order of billing, actually. Yeah, it's true. I mean, and that was, was I was available? like, okay, uh, just the main cast. When Thanos snapped and a quarter, three quarters of people were gone, it was only her friends that stayed. What are yeah. the chances? But all but the you, Avengers stayed. Yeah. <laughs> but when you put it in terms of this is all in her mind, then it makes sense. You know, the thing on second watching, you're like, oh, well, of course. It is who she spends the most time with. You know, you make a really good point about, like, this is all the men, too. Because I was like, why isn't Troy in this episode a lot more? Because this feels in the era of us knowing gaslighting more as a concept now, too. Of, like, yeah. why are all these men constantly telling her that, no, you're not, you're wrong. You're imagining this or something like that. Whereas Troy, the the semi-telepathic person and the mm-hmm. person who's kind of best at discerning reality from delusion, uh, is doesn't really come into it until the middle of the episode, and barely at that. It's like you're in my mind, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> wow, thank you for going there. Yeah. One of the things that, that actually prompted like a tear or two was Picard saying, your word has always been good enough for me, because it's just that like reassurance from someone even like higher in command, but also with someone she has that relationship with, uh, to just like the uh, like unshakable trust. Yeah. Well, technically, her command is higher. Yeah, you're right. She's the only one that can tell him to play in order. (laughs) Yeah. I like that. Um, But yeah, yeah. I I wish that there would have been more Deanna, for sure. Well, definitely, like, if she's having some type of delusional mental health crisis, like, that's the counselor's time to shine. But, like, I I literally wrote, where is Deanna? And then, like, two scenes later, she's just in one of the briefings. I was like... Well, oh. she does bring uh, Crusher brings it up herself. Uh, I think with I need Picard, to talk like, to Troy. I'll talk to yeah, Troy. Yeah, I, I immediately wrote, "Yeah." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now uh, it feels time to bring up that there is some techno babble happening in engineering <laughs> that um, Beverly is aware of um, that we kind of passed over earlier. Wesley did an experiment, and then there's a magical bubble, and yes. something maybe flashed or disappeared, but who knows? It's mm. all in engineering. Mm-hmm. It's all very magical too, a little bit. Like they they kind of explain it in a in a very vague way, and as we'll learn later in the episode, it gets even more vague. <laughs> but well, you know who's good at handling vague? We met this guy one time. <laughs> there it is, the traveler. <laughs> yeah, 
This he again is rewarding big. people for who've been watching since uh, earlier seasons and stuff like that of bringing a storyline and a character back. But it's this. I think this is for me the B plot of like the Wunderkind Wesley is the Deus Ex Machina type of thing. Really is Deus Ex Machina though, right? Yeah, honestly, I don't waste the Traveler on this little B plot. Like, what? It's a bigger deal when he shows up, not just. Your mother's in trouble, and I felt your call, Wesley. I'm here. It's like uh, Mermaid Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but she also reflects that in her reality, too. She discovers, like, oh, there's a connection between the Traveler and what's happening here. And so we see it being solved from both ends. Yeah. There's still so much Crusher stuff that, like, we haven't even talked about. And I don't know if we'll get to all of it. But, like, her slowly discovering this is so was so compelling. Like, this yes. is an episode where there's no special sets. It's all on the standard set. There's no real guest stars except for the guy who got one scene. Like, it's, it's all pretty much... <laughs> It's just her running around talking to the computer and talking to people going like, I'm not crazy. What is crazy about it is how compelling it was to watch. And I just loved how everybody was like, no, there's always only been 500 people here. And she Mm -hmm. plays, her lines are written to the top of her intelligence because she's like, okay, if there's so few people, then how could we effectively run this massive ship? Why are there extra rooms everywhere? And they're like, okay, yes. Perhaps for transfer. I love that data immediately comes up with plausible explanations of why they would just have a mostly empty ship traveling around the universe entire colonies that need to be transported like there's never a a hand wave moment of like ignore the logic of this we confront the logic every time and it's she keeps getting parried in some way and they do get more outlandish as they go down to the point to where it's just her with no medical staff and they're like she's like why would you need a staff she's like i'm one doctor on a starship Yeah. With a thousand people, what are you talking about? That's There's a the compliment of 230. So it's wow. not like her going to the computer and looking at it. It's people revealing mm. it in the middle of a conversation where you didn't even see it coming. Like, that's yeah. another brilliant delivery of this. To big, piggyback off of that, too, they I feel like it would be so easy for a writer to sort of lose the uh, the Starfleet training and that she is a scientist in that blind panic Twilight Zone situation. She kept true to that core, at least I felt, of like, okay, applying the scientific method. And you can see the doctor coming out. And uh, I thought that was so well done. Yeah. The only point where she like starts to kind of lose it, where she's literally saying out loud by herself, like, okay, I'm not crazy. I have to prove I'm not crazy. It's like, well, the doctor would be like, okay, am I experiencing a visual delusion or is this a memory thing or is this a space time? Like, but under this stress, I don't blame her. Like, this is bananas. Right, right. And I could watch her sass the computer all day, especially like (laughs) Gates is so good at the gestures and stuff and reaction. And you know what? There was no one there. There was a script supervisor talking to her. She's yeah. not acting with Majel Barrett. That was all put in after, right? Yeah. So yeah. that was all that was all her by herself on the set with the crew. Yeah, I love her logic, her exploration of it. So we also see in Sick Bay at one point a portal of some sort, a doorway with a vacuum Avoid. open, right? And she almost You gets saw that in. too? Yeah, I did. <laughs> oh good. <laughs> Yeah, that was close. So we're starting to suspect, like, oh, are people getting pulled into this? We're not really sure. I still think that's what's happened. Mm -hmm. She doesn't manage to really piece it together until it's down to, like, her and a few other people. Like, just is it just her and Picard at the point where we where we shift? What's crazy is that's the halfway point. Yeah, Yeah. of the of the show. Have like a whole half episode of her. Yeah. Um, but no, there's a great shot of her coming into the bridge and him just being the only one on there. I love that shot. It's and empty. And at first you can't even see him because he's yeah. sitting back in his chair. It's really from that up, just up the turbo lift POV. 
Yeah. And he just calmly so looks good. at her. Like, he doesn't even say anything. Well, I mean, yes, but this is interesting. Like, the breaking point of this Picard of, like, all right, Beverly, I'm at my limit of believing you. It's always just been the two of us, and now you sound like this. it's gone too far. And that was, like, of course, all of them are fantastic. But, again, each of these episodes really highlighting that this is an ensemble cast of stage actors just getting to chew the scenery. It's so good. He loves it. Yeah, he's like, wait, what? I believed you all the while until we're the only people on the ship as it's meant to be. And (laughs) this makes the most logic. So now I think you're crazy. Yeah. (laughs) An interesting escalation. (laughs) I love that again, though, uh, he still trusts her. And so he'll prove to her as best he can the logic of like, all right, monitor my life signs auditorily by the computer all the time. I'll sit right next here next to you. So good. And they have this conversation, and she looks away for a second. And the Why com- does she look away? Because she's about to tell him something, right? I wonder what she would have told him. <laughs> the JL romance drama. <laughs> Were they going to kiss? Maybe. Was she going to kiss him in her dream? If anywhere. Well, she's learning the lesson that she got from Dr. Quace in the very beginning of this, which is to right. you know value the loved ones that you have while you still have them. This is, again, expertly played by this person who this character is now believing this is reality. She hasn't figured out that this is like a universe that's collapsing. She's thinking it's only localized to the ship and she's got to get somewhere and she's the only one that will remember these people. Her fears are coming true. Very Twilight Zone. Yeah. Yeah. And having to simultaneously try and answer it and also mourn them yeah. is a heavy load. I think she and rides the line well. We see this fantastic shot but once uh, Picard disappears of like a Captain Crusher. She takes center chair and, you know, goes through her options of like, okay, I know that the Traveler is related somehow. This is the planet that he would be from. Is there anyone from that planet that's close by? No. Okay, how long would it take to get there at the fastest possible warp? 123 days. And you see her like, oh, that's impossible. But then the quiet, quiet realization and commitment to like, if that's what needs to happen, I'm going to do it. And it's like, it's a logical yes! choice. So good. And then the computer's like, uh, she's like, engage. And the computer doesn't respond. She's like, are you engaging the warp engine? She's like, they're like, set course. She's like, okay, I'll say it again. They're like, that place doesn't exist. Uh, but you were the one that just mentioned it. Yeah. Something is changing at a rapid pace. Such a clever Existence. acceleration too. Like now, yeah. now space is is disappearing. I love that. The other part of that was that she got the traveler idea from Wesley because Wesley mentions it early on in engineering, doesn't he? He says, "I never experienced something like that except for my time with the traveler." Right. Which essentially is Beverly's imagination, Wesley giving her that oh, information. Oh, sh- that's true. But huh, this yeah. is part of the traveler's. <sighs> magic juju because it is the most like untechno babble explainable thing about the entire show is the traveler because the two of them do this like mind link later on that maybe Beverly and Wesley had some mental connection Mm -hmm. going on here which is why they both had the idea of the traveler at the same time not only that but she if someone came to the ship and pronounced your child as like the future of human evolution or whatever <laughs> i don't know if she's privy to all of that or if that was just picard but she knows that they had some sort of experience together so that was probably pretty traumatic in her mind as well 
You might remember that. Yeah, you might remember that you got the Wonderkind. Yeah. The, also, in the scene when Picard disappears, the blue glowing light appears Very in intense. the the front view screen and. Not only is does it try and suck her in, it tries and sucks in all of the, um, you know, the the panels, the button pushies. Oh yeah, you know? yeah, all the, in, all the button the pushies, the chairs. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you get what is Jake Michael's green screen background right now? <laughs> uh, an excellent, some physical stunt work. There is a fan blowing. She mm. is turned almost upside down. I wonder if that was a stunt performer or if it was Gates McFadden. Ooh, I wonder. I think I might have the answer to that because I remember reading about it. Gates McFadden, uh, this is according to Memory Alpha, uh, which is citing Star Trek The Next Generation Companion. Gates McFadden did all her stunts for the vorte- vortex effect sequences. Uh, it was a coordinated sequence where uh, where she hangs from Data's op chair. The chair was mounted on a wall with Gates McFadden hanging from it oh, while compressed screen. air machines uh, provided the vortex effect. Shortly after performing the stunt where she's thrown from Data's ops console chair, she learned that she was pregnant. <gasps> so that's kind of Get a crazy out. revelation. In real life? I, that's <gasps> what it says on here. Now, shortly might mean days or weeks, but... Right, yeah. right. But still. That's kind of a banana thing. <laughs> doing, it's like doing a stunt and they're like, right? oh, by the way, there's a baby in there. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> but that's an interesting dilemma where they've added another life form into the scenario as opposed to losing one. There you go. <laughs> okay. Um, one of the comments that I did have watching the stunt being performed too is that you can tell how much like Aquanet they used in her hair <laughs> to sort of keep it in place because the yeah. vortex is coming from behind her and you can see her expertly sort of co- tamp it down but that was like this huge windblown like rat's nest that we she keeps from camera. We don't really get to see it. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's excellent. The hairstyle here is yeah. straight curled underneath, except uh-huh. in front where it's curled in two pieces. I like that choice for simplicity's sake. Like, what I can't see the back. Why would I yes. curl that? Is often a thought I have. I had the thought of that too. Of like, how would a doctor style their hair? Of like, this is what I can see. This is what's important. Done. Yep. One, two. That's enough. <laughs> it might have been of the times too. I don't know if yeah. I don't know if you're. Um, like if your viewing of it really revealed this very much in terms of lighting and stuff, but I thought the makeup was a little rough on this episode, specifically with Data. Did anybody see Data's lines? Wesley had some questionable makeup choices yeah. too, for some reason. The it's this uh, callback to that like close up lens. I think they're switching something about the camera that the lighting did not favor. Yeah, I definitely saw like Data's like it felt like. Uh, human skin on his neck as right. opposed to like what was clearly the android skin on his face but it would be undetectable on broadcast right, for but... sure for sure and yeah. not to slam anybody but they've just been so good about it since uh season one when everybody looked a little uh 1980s uh stage production <laughs> right. i was happy to have that gone but i don't know i'm looking back and i think it's fine um I would love to drag them through the dirt, but. (laughs) (laughs) Only if deserved. When Beverly managed to avoid getting pulled into the vortex on the bridge is when we suddenly come back to the other side of that doorway or what we think might be that. And the it's back in engineering. Wesley and Jordy are there. And they're talking about trying to find her again, right? And so we realize there's a whole other story that's been happening this entire time that we haven't been privy to. We were gaslit. We, the <laughs> yeah. viewers were gaslit. Yeah, yeah. We were in the wrong reality. Mm. 
Uh, one thing I did uh, notice at this too, when we change over to like a ship full of people, it's so noticeable how vibrant and colorful these uniforms are and like how uh, extras really change the feeling of the starship going from this really empty seeming uh, wide shots with Beverly wandering alone. The contrast, you could really like feel it. You can tell the difference in shows that actually invest in background extras, honestly, like in a, in a real That's way true. for like... This ship always has people buzzing about, and I think it feels like yes, it. yeah. I think it's important. I don't. Th- I mean, mm-hmm. does Discovery and Picard still follow that? Oh yeah, uh, I mean to an extent, but that makes sense. Yeah, I th- <laughs> yeah. Like you can kind of tell it on other shows that don't put just a little bit of effort to having crew people running around everywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Discovery definitely does it. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. It's just, it's kind of an important asset. And you're right, that life is very important to feel, especially in contrast to all of the lack of life that Beverly's experiencing on her side. So Wesley and Jordy uh, feel flummoxed. And what do you know? The Traveler appears. Just when you need him. How convenient. Yeah, it was convenient. I was kind of, uh, I was ready ready for a slightly better explanation of this, but it's kind of a tough one to figure out, right? Well, he did. It was a science experiment gone wrong. Yeah. I just don't know if he's the solution, but I guess he is. (laughs) I don't know how to write a better option, actually. I'm trying to figure that out. I don't, yeah. I I think that it's better if Wesley and and Jordy figure this one out. I don't think we needed the traveler here because- It's not a traveler-centric story, which I've been waiting to get another one of because time travel's awesome. But I don't know. What a random, like, hmm. last 10 minutes of the episode throw in the traveler. Yeah, he he is more important than this. I think you're right, Becca. I think you make a good mm-hmm. point of that. He's um, worth more than this! <laughs> I will say that this also could be maybe... Uh, uh, a point in Wesley's story, but maybe not necessarily be it, like you know what I mean. There are only so so many things that are connected to Wesley. It's like Doctor Crusher, the Traveler, and whoops, experiment gone wrong, and we got all of them in here. <laughs> and Dad's holodeck message, right? Yeah, which we also referenced. Yes, that's true. Jack gets a mention early on. Yeah, uh, according to Memory Alpha, which is referencing the book Captain's Logs, the unauth- the unauthorized complete Star Trek voyages, uh, the Traveler was added in at the last minute. According to Michael Pillar, the first two, quote, the first two drafts did not have the Traveler in it. The first draft ended with the realization of what had happened turning out to be a dream episode, and we did not find that satisfying. So we decided yeah. at the end of Act 3 to pull everything from the first 60 pages into the first three acts and, te- and tell the audience what's going on on the other side of the war bubble and how they're trying to get Beverly back. We spent, Which was a good choice. Yeah. We spend the two acts deciding how to get her back, and at the beginning of the year we said we wanted to bring the Traveler back for something, so why not use him in an episode to help Beverly back? So. That makes some more sense, I suppose. I feel like they could have set it up a little better, though. Like, a (laughs) casual mention of the Traveler is something happening in the beginning. I have to follow up with the next bullet point on this uh, article on Memory Alpha, which is director Cliff Boyle in the same book says, They added him because he's big at the conventions. He was just a (laughs) walk-on. Oh, snap. That's so unsatisfying. Yeah. For fan service that you didn't even care about actually right. writing. Also, is he really oh, that, that big at the conventions, the traveler? Like, of all the cool stuff we've done? Like, okay. at the time. You, have you ever known a fandom of anything? Like, Fair. <laughs> of course Miles O'Brien is my favorite character. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's what fans do. We pick something obscure and small, and we pick that is our favorite thing. So, right. of course the traveler is you're a member of the Keiko Club, is what they call him. Keiko, oh, I don't think she's met Keiko yet. She hasn't yet. yet, I don't think, no. Yeah. We'll get there. Yeah. Related to <sighs> O'Brien somehow. Yeah. I'm traveling through time a little bit, sorry. Don't do Speaking that. Don't of, traveler me. 
Yeah, of obscure though, I did want to bring up that uh, when Wesley and Jordy and the Traveler are looking at this like diagram of the warp bubble that was created, the unit of measurement. Did you catch this, Jake? Uh, there was like an X Y axis thing, right? Or but it was measured in millicochrons. No, Does I didn't that sound... see that. Oh, Cochrane, like the is that is. from Cochrane? There it no is. No way. Right? Oh I just saw God. that what? in this watch through and I was like, what a cool little nod to if you had to make a unit of measurement, like a jewel of power or whatever. We Who's a Millie Cochran? <laughs> so Zephyrin Co- in this it's universe, Zephyrin Cochran was the first. Yeah, it's his daughter. <laughs> Come here, Millie. Cochran. <laughs> She's so small. Was the f- first human to con- uh, contact another uh, species, in this case, the Vulcans. We, uh, we've briefly Earth. mentioned it on the podcast before, but I, it, it's very forgettable because it, it happens in a movie that happens after to the series but it right. takes place in the 21st century uh, yes. when uh Zephram Cochran's the doctor who uh invents warp travel and that gets the attention of the Vulcans gosh we could use him now come on Zephyr <laughs> he yeah, would be, he'd be a little out of his depth yeah. but <laughs> yeah, he'd be, it'd be like putting Benjamin Franklin to solve like this cybersecurity issue it's like right, it's not right. gonna work because electricity yeah right? he's like okay I'll get a kite up there and we'll we'll, yeah. we'll stop him oh I meant us IRL on our oh. human planet um, oh It'd be good to get some oh, get some warp travel over going. Both our heads. He's good played point. by that character actor. Oh, uh, no, I'm blanking J- on his uh, name. Yeah, James Cromwell, I believe is James his Cromwell. Name? <laughs> kind well, of a jerk. Frequently the president. <laughs> the character, not him. <laughs> um, absolute non sequitur. Also having to do with obscure fan service and time travel in the series. Mm. I recently was led on to the fact that Data will someday get a cat, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yay! Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's all I. That's all I know. He he hasn't had the cat yet. I can't remember honestly no. when that cat comes into this. There has not been a cat. I guess you yeah, would have yeah, highlighted yeah. it already. I'm sorry, Becky. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there's a there's still many characters we have yet to meet in the Star Trek universe. I'm excited to see. Uh, now who we get this is sort of the only podcast that I could bring this up to pause it, but. How do we, we have Crusher on here? Gates McFanet, uh, amazing. How do we think Pulaski would have reacted to this situation? I mean, <laughs> she wouldn't have cared. She would just would have gone on working in the medical bay. <laughs> she would have started she euthanizing like, the crew who didn't yeah. remember. <laughs> Uh, you need to conform. Everyone else is disappearing. If you could just die, please. <laughs> I'm right. You're wrong. Fix this. <laughs> I think she would have gone to the computer faster, and it would have been a so. little bit more of that dialogue that we get between uh, Beverly and the computer, which I thought was actually some of the best stuff. Right. Hey, computer, yeah. what's the nature of the universe? <laughs> I love that question. And then it was able to answer it because it was a mathematical nature as opposed to a, a philosophical like you know what I mean? What a terrifying answer! It's the computer says the universe is a spheroid region seven hundred and five meters in diameter. Holy, that's f- unexpected. No. <laughs> oh, no. The universe is not, oh, no. not that small. Computer, take it back. <laughs> yeah, I think Pulaski would have been straight to the computer in Logic Town, right, and not like appealed mm. to, and she wouldn't have had these personal relationships. Honestly, everybody would have disappeared real quickly. <laughs> that's true. Uh, Wesley would have been the first one to go this wouldn't have happened Wesley <laughs> would have been in engineering she would have been like nope not on my ship get that kid out of here uh, some medical journals would have been the last to go 
I love that you posited that question, though. And I love right? that this podcast is the only place you can do where it. Where else? Appreciate hey, <laughs> we're all about being a safe audience where I can shut down that Pulaski is not a good doctor. <laughs> and everyone's okay with it. <laughs> she can be a good doctor. Yeah. And you can still not like her. And not care about humanity. She does. <laughs> well, let's not limit it to humans then, huh? Okay, um, <laughs> life. There, she does. Pretty sure she did, but... Primarily maybe her we'll own, but season whatever. Two next maybe season she has a houseplant she cares deeply about or something. <laughs> yeah, her succulents. Well, we get out of the science realm and we get kind of into the mystic realm when the Traveler directs Wesley to just feel his way back to the warp bubble and bring it back. So the Enterprise goes literally to the exact spot where this occurred in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. And they like this better than a dream ending? I guess. But notably, <laughs> I did like this because the, both of the ships in both realities ended up in the same place. Because before leaving, I think, Picard trusted, or Imagination Picard, trusted Crusher enough to turn the ship towards the Starbase. So Imagination ship is at Starbase 133 at the same time the actual starship is there, too. Is it also that Imagination Starship is just always at that spot in real space? That could right? be Right, because that's well. where the hole was, I guess. But I like that they have to line up, and that makes sense that the gate is the strongest there. Thankfully, we don't spend a lot of time in the reality space, like, debating how to get her back. We do have yeah. a little bit of talk with the Traveler and a little bit of woo-woo with um, Wesley, but we actually get to go back to Beverly and see her universe literally collapsing. And that was also another terrifying thing. She's like, wait, what's, what was that hit? And they're like, this, there's a structural flaw in the design of the ship. There is no front part. They forgot to put that on. <laughs> <laughs> because the computer just doesn't know. It just reports in. It's like, well, they built it so it wouldn't fit in the universe. <laughs> ah, that's the worst. That's what will get you. Oh you my have to God. activate the out of the free trial. um no no and for it being sort of a crammed woo-woo ending like i thought it was okay like the techno babble sort of made sense what got me was picard standing there just casually watching wesley dissolve (laughs) i mean i get it that they were doing an effect because someone on that day learned about the camera effect of making someone disappear But, like, casually just getting erased by, like, a, a, a blinds filter in Windows Movie Maker. And Picard just like, <laughs> sure. Well, the phasing, wasn't that something that happened to the Traveler during the Traveler's episode? I honestly can't remember. But I feel like he had a stabilization issue, too. Which I think is maybe so. that sounds familiar. A mirroring of what happened here. Mm-hmm. Well, regardless, there's a whole lot of uh, heavy meditation and eyes closing and really making sure you phase in properly. And we manage to, uh, like, open up the the quote-unquote portal again. And Beverly, on her side, realizes this is probably the only spot to go. Yeah. Hey, maybe I should have just done this to begin with. Don't fight the blue light, people. That's the resolution here. Just lean in. Lean Mm. into that light. Well, that's another thing is like we, we are never told that we think for the longest time that's the problem. And right. that is actually the solution. That was them trying to reach out to her. I love that double that twist. Quit running away from your problems and confront them head on. OK, now we get a moral solution. 
Well, also, anytime in Star Trek that we've encountered, like, a light-based being or something like that, it is manifested in this way. And so she's naturally, and this is her imagination sort of reckoning with what's happening. So it's natural for her to go away from it as opposed to towards it. Standard Starfleet training is stay away from vortexes. Yeah. Mm. Vortices. Yeah, vortices. (laughs) Throw a rock first. Yeah. (laughs) Well, or a data pad, which happened. (laughs) Did it? Well, it kind of gets sucked in there. Right. Yeah. I wonder if it went through and hit Wesley in engineering that time. That's what I was thinking. Like, speedy thing goes in, speedy thing comes out. Yeah, there's just debris flying through. Yeah. But it's also Beverly's imagination pad. Because she's the only thing there. (laughs) Does the imagination pad and everything else sucked through go to the same dimension of space and time where all the corpses from transporters go to? Whoa. If everybody yeah. that went through a transporter went through this experience, this would, they have to ban transporters. Only <laughs> one reality. Yeah, the other reality you never know. You'd never hear about it because that mm-hmm. clone true. didn't have a traveler to get, to get him you. back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, traveler can't save everybody. Come on. Yeah. So she, uh, just a little he's bit. He's got more conventions the- to attend. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, on this this plot with the traveler too he sort of casually mentions like oh wesley you've got some maybe magic powers that we can sort of work on and hone that was like the implication there yeah he's not a muggle is what they're leading to (laughs) right here's your list of books and supplies you're gonna need for first semester yeah i guess i'm just i just i'm so surprised that that stuff gets in there with how heavy science based like roddenberry made sure everybody to be right like there's literally like a line where i think the traveler says something about you you know how to access something that no human will ever learn how to do it's like this feels like a, almost a Jedi metachlorines kind of thing, like bordering on that. And I don't know why it's in here, but I think it's just to button it all up nicely. Maybe it's true, or maybe this is the Traveler's long con to whisk <gasps> Wesley away. I love this, that he is actually a cult leader. Uh, and Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> Predator, but yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's a Predator, yeah, for sure. And sure. then he's going to join him in on his commune on SETI Alpha 10 or something. Oh, I love this. I would say hold on to that thought. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Crusher's back. Uh, We pick her up off the uh, engineering floor, and she notices the traveler, of course. She pops back into reality. (laughs) And you were there? And you (laughs) you weren't there. And you weren't there. It was really Notably, you weren't. (laughs) And she asks the captain how many people are on board, and everybody, including Dr. Quace, is accounted for well and he's like now i'm ready for my seat oh you cut it for time (laughs) (laughs) no resolution okay that's fine well let me just light another candle for patricia (laughs) (laughs) you just couldn't stay in that lab it was like a dark story in that Yes, yeah, so sad. He said he couldn't stay in the lab with the memories of her there, so he was right. going home to retire on the planet. Sad day. Well, maybe we'll get his his full tale one of these days. But that's it for now. That was a fantastic episode. Becca, did you like us? I did like it very much. Yeah. I like Beverly. I like Gates McFadden, and uh, I think she do good actings. Some masterful <laughs> scenes. And Beverly Crusher's bad, horrible, no good day. <laughs> <laughs> Worf, chief of security, the big guy, the Klingon. Klingon. <laughs> Never smiles. Never oh, smiles. that was a great smiles, little yeah. scene because we got the the insight of just these are like character briefs, but 
Beverly gets to sort of shout them. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, wishes like a little boy he could become human, you know? <laughs> yeah. Sad android. Real quick, the other only other thing I noticed was I had to briefly watch this on Netflix, and when I paused it, uh, the little rating for it comes up on the top of the screen, and I think it was rated TVPG, but the two reasons were fear, comma, sex, which I think is, is a rating for the whole show, not that episode. But I was like, oh. well, maybe. Fear, comma, sex. Got Those are the it. two reasons to be careful of this. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Mm. Well, no? Wesley's there. So that's there what was, happens if there, you have yeah. it. You get babies. Right, <laughs> then, exactly. Then they become science mess ups and you get stuck in a warp bubble. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's um, dissuading teenage pregnancy. Yeah. It's just a big long condom commercial. <laughs> <laughs> What's next? Oh. <laughs> I'm just so impressed they did so much with uh, nothing special. They, it was a bottle episode, right? It was just on the yeah. ship, and they just cast less people on the day, and they made it so just compelling. Brilliance. It's great writing. Hey, um, we actually have some big stuff planned, so we're going to need some episodes where we can really cut budget. What can we do with one character? That yeah. was legitimately it, too. I, in fact, I think there was a quote about that. Uh, director Cliff Bowl comments, Gates did a very good job on it. And again, that was a savings program. For about 40% of the show, it was just her. She was separated in time from everyone else. Uh, oh, he says, it's not my favorite show, but I've received positive letters about that episode. I've received more positive letters about that episode than any other. Mm, Which, wow. that's pretty crazy. That's really great. And that's the power of the written word. Well, also, this may speak to one of Star Trek's core audiences, and that is women. To maybe they have huh? shared this similar experience. Absolutely. Of being gaslit. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, terrifying. Well, hey, they're hitting on what works, and that's Gates. Yes. Well, we've seen like the Brent Spiner feature with him playing every character, and now we've seen Gates doing it by just playing Crusher so well. Because we've seen Picard-based episodes or even Riker-based episodes, but Troys yeah. are always about her womb or her yeah. emotions or just like breaking down and can't stop crying. So I'm I'm waiting for uh, holding out for a Troy episode that feels um, or her mother gives her more powerful yeah or her stance. mother yeah yeah. 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 We'll, we'll we'll get there. We'll see if it's next week. I don't know. Oh, actually, no. It's not next week, but next week. Decidedly not. <laughs> next week's a fun one. Uh, we're oh. going to see Star Trek Season 4, Episode 6, entitled Legacy. In this episode, the Enterprise crew is caught in the midst of a civil war on Turkana 4. Former crew member Tasha Yar's homeworld. Oh, we've heard stories. Yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, while negotiating with one of the factions, they discover that the faction's representative is Tasha's younger sister. Oh, <laughs> a Yar I might like. I uh, I remember young Jake very much liking this Yar. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, mm. slow down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You guys were talking about Picard's Borg outfit for like a half hour at the beginning That's of the fair. season. I can't say yeah. I liked a woman. <laughs> Listen, you can't. No, you're Jake, just you're a brother to me. I won't allow it. <laughs> anyway. I'm excited. Well, let's go to there. Too. Let's right. see how hot Yar's little sister is. <laughs> I wanna, without, with, uh, without objectifying. Never mind. Too Mission late. accomplished. <laughs> Engage. Engage. <laughs>